0: And uh, we're gonna trust God uh, this morning. And I uh, want to uh, start off with uh, there was a guy you guys, most of you young people, have never heard of, but maybe you heard the name. His name was Groucho Marx. And uh, I used to have a a cat that was named Donzo, but his original name was Groucho because he was. He was one of those cats that, you know, he had a, a chip on his shoulder. He walked like with a limp. He kind of almost walked like, you know. He had, he had a thing going on. He was a farm cat that, that ended up uh, getting, uh, you know, abandoned or lost. And uh, I picked him up, you know, on the slide uh, one time. Uh, and he was a good cat. He used to bring me home some some rabbits. And he used to bring me home uh, uh, some, uh, some mice and some Every, every once in a while, when he was really feeling fit, he would get a chipmunk. But they were—they were tough. That was a tough battle for him. But uh, I did see him one time uh, perched on my on my deck, grab a, a bird in the air with one hand, and land on the on the land on my deck. And I was always impressed by that. But. The reason I bring up the story uh, and I bring up those those tales is because there, you know, there's a little bit of posterity that I have with that cat. You know, I, I feel something about that cat and how he was, how he acted. And Groucho Marx, he had a quote that I don't like, but this was famous for Groucho Marx. This is famous for people who are sarcastic. He said. Why should I care about posterity? What has posterity? It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. R.K. Harrison translated it Posterity will serve him and tell of the Lord to future generations. Another version said, Posterity shall serve him, men shall tell of the Lord to the coming generations. See, it triggers a thought inside of me this morning uh, to talk about the issues that that work around the principle of a pattern. That we are partakers as a fellowship of something that is greater and transcends uh, mere methodology or even rules, or even a sense of principles, but that it has to do with preserving and passing on to others posterity a selflessness you know to be thinking beyond the immediacy of what we're doing and why we're doing it beyond pragmatism it's the crucial reality of posterity what is imparted and passed on to to to, to generations Possibly far, far from us if Jesus were to tear it. Now, you know me, if you know me at all, and that is that I am very in uh, tune and I am very focused on the immediacy of Christ, the imminence of Christ. I believe it is what dictates our behavior. Like I shared during Bible uh, study, you know, I believe that uh, when my parents were away, right, I acted differently talked about the Doritos that would sit on the table all day because my parents weren't home. So I didn't worry about it. I talked about it as I became older and it became more and more sinful. You know, all the beer that I would drink and then frantically having to try to put it back together because I knew that my parents were coming back. And that's something that is very very important to your salvation but this morning i want to talk about something that i think is even greater than that and that is you can live with that kind of uh, you know um, imminence but not have any sense of posterity you can live like oh i don't want to get in trouble you can live fearfully but have no sense of posterity No sense of leaving it. And the importance that we are always just one generation away from losing what we have. We're all one generation away from losing what we have. Think about that for a moment. Second Kings is the story I'm going to focus on this morning. Ahaz, he he rested with his father, it says. And then his, Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. Hezekiah's name means strength of the Lord. Powerful. Powerful name because of the contrast it had with his father, Ahaz. See, his natural father, Ahaz, was one who takes or possesses. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. As his father David had done, it says. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He made his sons pass through fire according to abominations of the nations. He followed other traditions. And in Hezekiah chapter 18, we have this Hezekiah, it says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. And you have these two glorious chapters in the Bible where we chronicle this, not just accomplishments and victories, but we chronicle a man who who was zealous, Towards the Lord. He was thinking about God. He was thinking about the imminence of the Lord, the closeness of the Lord to his nation. He was a son of David. Even though he was far removed from David, he was a son of David because he had the same heart and the same passion that David had. He was a breath of fresh air for the nation. in contrast to the wickedness of those who preceded him, even his own natural father, Imagine if everybody came over to your house, you were sick. Right? That's what happened. But he, he turned his face to the wall, it says, and he prayed. And you think he prayed something profound? No. He said, remember me. And I want you to think here. Because God spoke again. He says, go back and tell him, after 15 years, as a sign, the sun was literally moved backward 10 degrees. A miracle happened. I've heard scientists explain this. Literally occurred, there's something wrong with the the table. When we try to study the, the, the sun and its movement, there's a problem. Because of this miracle that occurred by God, but then something happens. God gives him these fifteen years, and he has no sense of posterity. He's never talked to him, it's never built inside of him. The king of Babylon sends letters. And he brings his son to Babylon, the place of evil. And all of a sudden, Hezekiah knows I got a few extra years, and he starts to give attention to something. And so, through his indiscretion, through his lack of discernment, he shows all the treasure in his. He shows this son all of his goodies. Look at me. Look what I've accomplished. Look what we've done. Isaiah comes back on the scene. He says, What's going on? He will take away some of your sons who will descend from you and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. It's an astounding word from God. The great king Hezekiah, sovereign hand of God on his life, delivered from death, broke the pattern of ungodly heritage, The Word of God identifies him with David. He has gifting. He has. to do was rightly esteem his past. What he failed to do was rightly see the consequences of the future. And I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued for us, and I'm intrigued for this church. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Isaiah, You have said is good. And then he says these words, won't there at least be peace and truth in my last days? Look at this, it's a great godly man, yet he misses something important. I don't want to be, you know, too judgmental, the guy is a king. But it seems there's a mixed message here to us, isn't it? He just told what will happen. He just told. He's just told the effect. What his posterity will lead to. And he's grateful that the judgment isn't going to befall him in his generation. Consider this in the midst of all we do. Because I want to tell you something. It's crucial this morning that we are not just seeking success and revival for us. Or even discipleship just for us. To merely build our work and build our own little monument. My house. My car. My things. That God has given me that I've done through living a Godly life. You know, what we do, why we do it, it has significance when you think about posterity. See, we're moving on. But what are we leaving behind us? What are we going to pass on to the next generation? See, what this story exposes, is we are very short-sighted and we can be very easily, temporarily contented. We can be content in temporary things. We can be content people. See, as we should know all too well, History bears things out. It doesn't matter how great the gifting of a ministry. There is a passing on to those who follow. We are to build spiritual sons and daughters. We are to leave a posterity that will carry on in the same course. Or we'll all just end right there. Every day, God's plan and purpose clearly entails a faithful passing on of all we have to others. Passing on something. Abraham. Think about the great test that Abraham has. He's preparing to offer up his only son, Isaac. That he feared God and he will be faithful to train his household. The old saying a man doesn't plant a tree for himself, he plants it for posterity. Hi. When we look at the conclusion of people's lives in the Bible, sometimes it can get kind of. Interesting. Absalom's life, to me, is a very short bio, but it's very, very interesting, isn't it? This is David's son. Now, Absalom, in his lifetime, it says in 2 Samuel 18, 18, listen to these words. Now, Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name, remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name. And to this day, it is called Absalom's monument. Now, that might not seem very interesting to you. But the interesting thing to me is that 2 Samuel 14 says he had three sons. But we don't know what happened to these three sons. See, there's no son to keep his name in remembrance. So this is all he had to perpetuate a family line was a monument. You know, the word of God all too often, man, talks about the Father's folly. The outworking of divine judgments. They're not immediately realized. It's their posterity that pay the price. I had a conversation just recently with my wife. And she said, you know, I just stay at home. And I said, no, you don't. I said, I put you in charge. I don't want them to have to overcome their father. God help me that I'm content to say at least there will be peace and truth in my days. There are several examples of this in the Word of God. You have a lot. It's an incredible picture. He's afforded the opportunity of options, he's given this ability. He lifts his eyes up and he saw it and he says these words and they're profound words if you think about it with, with any kind of hindsight. It says he chose Standards could have had a wonderful reprieve from the harshness and the rigors of the wilderness that they would live in. Okay. That's what he was thinking. But he wasn't thinking this has to be God. Answer. Read now. See, because he was so focused on the secret prayers of his own heart. Instead there was a gap there to correct him. Did you ever wonder why? You know, I, I, I wonder these things. I try to animate the Bible. There's a reason that Lot didn't hear from God. There's a reason. God loves you. He cares for you. He will respond to you, but not if it's just your heart. Not if you're giving, you know, you have to give your heart to God and say, God, this is what I want, and he will This is how to accomplish it. this was years ago and I said I don't, I don't know what I'm doing you know but I, I want to I serve God more and I don't know how to do it because I, all I've done in my whole life is, is worked in bars and restaurants and you know it's hard to serve God and, and, and work every Saturday and Sunday it's hard to work nights weekends you know it's, it's hard and I said I have no idea what to do you know I said I just want God to open the door for me and he said just don't forget to tell him to close every door that he doesn't want you to walk through see sometimes we need pastoring I've noticed that just in my few years of pastoring those who make choices to depart to go and do other things there's not an immediate judgment doesn't happen that way. That's why it's called backsliding. Because they just slide right back into their old life. And I have some insight, not from being a pastor. I have the insight because I did it myself. I stand to a testament. To Listen, some of the marks you see on me, some of the, the blemishes you see, some of the errors that you see inside of me. They're from those 14 years out in the wilderness. I can show you scars. There's a reason I ain't on Facebook. But the price it is realized in two areas that I want you to think about the effectiveness of your testimony, the witness of your life. What does your life produce? Your family, your children. Some of the saddest words in all the world, word, uh, in all word of the word, uh, word of God is, "What would have been Saul, Rebellion, failing to do what God had commanded to do." He has this issue, right? This issue of presumption. presume to know what God wants and he walks right into that priest's office how many times have you walked into the pastor's office I've seen people that this is their issue they they disobey God and now they're trying to make it up and they just want to steamroll over everybody that's around them it's in their heart. Because they will not submit. Think about the opportunities this man had. And when I think about Saul, he's one of the saddest cases because I like Saul. I like him. I remember his story. I remember reading his story and being shocked. Because I didn't read the Bible, I was Catholic. So when I actually read it, you know? I remember it. I never thought about it but you know this guy was humble he was filled with the Holy ghost he was gracious he had a loving son he did some things right but he felt compelled to do other things which would ended him feeling compelled to kill himself. That was his posterity. That's what he left. His son, died, got he left through suicide. And think about that curse of suicide that's in this, this world we live in today. If you don't think that's part of his posterity, you're kidding yourself. We have churches today that want to defend suicide now because they want everybody to be okay but we know everybody isn't okay Says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. See? far too often in life we're not only just fighting the wrong battles, we're fighting the wrong cost. We're here to fight for our children. We're here to fight for our sons and our daughters, our wives and our houses. It's important There was a Roman historian, he wrote these words, I think they're very, very profound. Says, posterity gives every man his true value. You know, this place that we live in, this earth we live in, is temporal, and there's always gonna be judges, there's always gonna be people who are going to look at you and they're gonna look down upon you. They're gonna look at your past, they're gonna look at where you're from, they're gonna look at your abilities. truth is that your true value is going to come from God. And it's going to come from this simple statement. Did you serve the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Did you make that step towards Jesus? Did you do something with what God has told you and has given you? Because God has given you Jesus Christ. Each and every one of you have had Jesus Christ laid at your feet. And the truth is if you will just take that with a little bit of posterity and say, God, I will serve you. Your true value will be in heaven forever. And let every head bowed and every eye closed. We serve a good and loving God in this place. And he gave everything. He gave